Psalm chapter 1. I, I talked about this Wednesday night and uh, preached a whole message on uh, trees of righteousness. But, uh, uh, you know, about how we are to be trees that are planted of the Lord. We are seeds, and seeds bear in themselves the image of the finished product, right? In every seed is, the, is everything that is required, all the DNA for a finished product. If you plant a little tree seed, in that tree seed is the full, mature, full-grown tree. It grows up out of, that, out of that little seed. It's an amazing process, isn't it? And everything that God does is uh, based upon the laws of seed time and harvest. And I know you know this because we've been talking about it a lot. And, uh, and then in Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And Wednesday night I was talking about how, how the, the word of God is what feeds that seed, which we are. We're the seed and we feed on the word of God. And then God plants us by rivers of water, said he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." And so the tree is, is, the, is planted by the Lord, and the Lord purposely plants that tree by a water source. And we talked about how that, that moisture is very important for the seed to germinate. Moisture and heat is important for the seed to germinate. And so um, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about that, that process of being planted by, by the waters, the waters. Uh, turn with me to Isaiah 58 and verse 11. And you need to begin to consider yourself uh, uh, to be a, a, a part of God's gardening process in the earth. God is growing things in the earth. What is he growing? He's growing his church. He's growing his kingdom. Jesus said, I will build my church. He is building. He's growing. And you're part of that process. And we talked the other night about how it's a generational process because one seed produces a plant and that plant produces many seeds. And we're part of that process of God multiplying himself generationally in the earth. He started with one Jesus, and Jesus grew up and branched out. The Bible called him the branch. He branched out and produced uh, more seeds. We're the first begotten of many brethren. We're the firstborn from, we're, we're part of the, 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 the second generation, so to speak, of, of seed. Jesus was the seed, and he produced more seed, and then that seed produced more seed until you know, he was able to start with 12, then he, then he had 70, then he had 3,000, and then he had 5,000 more, and then he had 20,000 or so in Jerusalem, and they got, they got dispersed throughout the world. And from that, that, those beginnings, there are, now, uh, there are now over 
two billion people in the world that name the name of Jesus and, and consider themselves his followers. That's, that's that process. He's growing his kingdom. And as time goes on, like a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump, a little bit of yeast leavens the whole loaf of bread, right? Uh, he, uh, in, in the process of time, there's, there, there is going to be a huge, huge percentage of the world's population are going to be Christians. You can see the process over time. First with Jesus, and then now, 2,000 years later, we, we cover the globe. Brother Jimmy uh, Davis and, and uh, Adam Culp are in Nepal right now, and they are coming face-to-face -face with brothers and sisters in the Lord uh, who, are, who are living in the uttermost part of the earth, as far as we're concerned. And they're finding out, they're meeting, they're meeting Christians from India, they're meeting Christians from China, they're meeting Christians from um, uh, all around Nepal, Tibet. I mean, they're meeting people that, that uh, uh, have, have been uh, produced by the expansion of the kingdom of God in the earth, and it's part of that process that Jesus started with his own death, burial, and resurrection. He was the first, and then we're the many. Everybody say, we're the many. Well, Isaiah 58, verse 11 says, And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. You see, it is, it is our mandate as seeds planted by God to flourish and prosper and bear good fruit no matter what's going on in the world around us. There can be drought, there can be dryness, and yet He has planted us by the water so that we can always germinate and bring forth more seeds. Amen? And no matter what's going around, he said, he will satisfy your soul in drought and make fat your bones and you shall be like a watered garden. I want you to say with me, I am like a watered garden. Well, what is a watered garden like? It's a, it is growing, it's flourishing, it's maturing, and it's, it's putting forth fruit. Amen. You water the garden and things grow in it. And so that is, that is our life mandate. Our life mandate is to, is to be watered by God so that we can grow and multiply. And, uh, and so I want to look at that process of being a watered garden a little more closely. Look in Mark chapter 4. First of all, we're mandated. Uh, you understand the word mandate? It means we have a divine command. We have a, we have a divine order. It's, it's uh, marching orders. It's not something you just uh, treat casually. It's not something you can say no to. If there's a mandate, it means you have to do it. You're compelled to do it. Amen? And so we're under a mandate, a compulsion. It's in our nature to grow. It's in our nature to multiply. And if we don't grow and we don't multiply, we are 
betraying our nature, but we're also betraying our mandate. We're saying no to our, the call of God on our life. So uh, we, we need to understand that we are mandated to bring forth fruit. Mark 4, 14, Jesus in the parable of the sower, he's explaining the parable of the sower to his disciples. He says, the sower soweth the word. You see, the word of God is seed. It was planted in you and you became born again. You're born again by the word of God. It's powerful stuff. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. And then he starts talking about the different kinds of soil. The soil determines how productive the seed is. But the seed is under the mandate. The seed must grow. The seed must produce. God said, I have set forth my word, and my word will not return unto me void or empty, but it will accomplish that which I have sent it to do. He watches over his word, the Bible says, to perform it. So the seed, and you got to remember, your seed, you are the seed, it must produce. It can't do anything else. It has to. It's in the core of your nature to multiply and produce for the kingdom of God. Spiritual seed, spiritual things, physical seed, physical things. Amen. And, and the, but the, the soil that the seed drops into does have some impact on, on uh, what happens after the seed uh, springs up and brings forth uh, a plant. And so he says the wayside, the sidewalk, the roadside, uh, when, when the seed falls on that, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And that's like the birds. If you throw seed on the sidewalk out here, before it has time to germinate, and I showed you, uh, you know, I talked to you Wednesday night about how uh, a seed can split a rock and split a boulder or a mountain if it's allowed to stay there very long. But what normally happens is the birds come and eat it. Birds aren't dummies. It's free food. They don't have to work for it, dig for it, fight for it. It's just laying there on the ground. So they come and get it. Well, that's like the devil. For a lot of people, a lot of people who receive the word of God, they don't hold on to it any length of time at all, the devil just comes along and steals it from them. And they let it go. They just don't, they don't put up a fight. They don't try to hold on to it because they're hard ground. And there are people that are so hard that, you know, they, they reject the word like that. And so then these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground. Now, stony ground is hard ground that's broken up. <laughs> so it has a little bit of looseness to it, and it might have some soil in it. And so uh, when they have heard the word, they immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Now, I want you to notice that seed does grow up. That seed does grow in stony ground, but it doesn't last. It doesn't endure because... Uh, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they're offended. And there are lots of folks, you know, that get offended easily. 
Well, they're, they're stony ground. They're, they're rocky ground. And, uh, and so uh, then there, verse 18, these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Uh, that's, uh, that's thorny ground. You know, some folks are like that. They hear, they receive, they respond, they grow a little while, but they get distracted. They're squirrely. You know, they're easily distracted. And, uh, and they're distracted by um, uh, the promise of riches and, and the cares of this world and, the, and pleasures and things of that nature. And so uh, all, these other th all these other things crowd out the Word of God, and it becomes unproductive in their lives. But then, verse 20, these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the Word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. And so we want to be that we want to be that seed that falls upon good ground. We want because our our mandate is to multiply, right? So we we don't want to be in the uh, uh, you know laying on the sidewalk. We don't want to be in the rocky soil. We don't want to be in the thorn patch. We want to be on good, fertile, prepared ground. So that we can fulfill our mandate in the greatest possible way. And notice he starts with 30-fold. He doesn't start with just double or, or triple. He starts with 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. That, that's huge. Amen. And, uh, and at this late hour in, in world history, uh, I don't think we ought to be focusing and, and zeroing in on 30-fold. We, we need to be thinking 100-fold. We don't have time to mess around with 30-fold. I'd take 30-fold over nothing. But we, we, need, we need to set our sights on the 100-fold. Somebody said if you, if, uh, if you aim at the moon... Shoot at the moon, you, you, you'll at least hit the fence, right? Amen. So uh, aim high. And now I want you to look at this mandate from, from uh, uh, Jesus' words in John 15 and verse 16. John 15, 16. Jesus said, You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you. Jesus said, You, you have been chosen and ordained. Now, the word ordained is an interested word. It means I, I have been, you have been invested with authority. Amen. You, you, you've been chosen and authorized to go and bring forth fruit. There's that mandate. You are mandated, authorized, and you are uh, ordained to bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. So it's not, it's not, it's, it's obviously good ground fruit. It's not the kind of fruit that just comes up for a little while and then dies off. We've had some of that lately. And here in our church, we've had people that look like fruit. 
They act like fruit. They talk like fruit. They walk like fruit. They come in. They, they, they have an experience with God. They, they get all excited. And then, you know, a little, little passing of time, and they're gone. That happens a lot in church. I mean, it's happened over the years. There have been hundreds of people like that pass through our church. They spring up. They get all excited. They wave their little leaves. They might even bloom a little bit. And then all of a sudden, they're gone again. Well, that concerns me. Doesn't it concern you? Yes. I, don't, I, don't like say, I don't like making friends and then losing friends. You know, <laughs> I, I, I think our fruit should remain. So we as a church, we need, to, we need to make sure that we as a church uh, are good soil that people can uh, be planted in that they will grow and flourish in and, and themselves bear fruit. We don't need to be the sidewalk. I don't want, I don't want to pastor a sidewalk church. I don't want to pastor a stony ground church or a thorny ground church. I want to be good soil. Amen? Make that an issue of prayer. We, we need to be retaining these people, keeping these people. And then, then after they're trained and equipped, then send them off to Nepal and places like that, right? But they don't need to leave because the thorns choked them out. They don't need to leave because the birds came along and plucked them up. You know, it's okay for people to come and go, but the reason they go is very important to me. The reasons that they go is very important to me. I want them to go because they're sent, not because they withered away. Amen? That's very important. So we, we need to make that our, our prayer and our confession that we are good ground for people to be planted in. And I know we are. I know we are because I, I've seen the impact that this church has on your lives and on the lives of people that we have sent. Amen. Amen. Boy, I could go into all kinds of examples there, but I mean, this church has been a blessing to the world. Just like we were discussing a while ago, you know, uh, and, and we're just talking about sending grain, you know, rice and beans to a village in the midst of, uh, uh, of a drought, but, but we've done more. We've planted the Word of God in that same village. And, uh, and it's growing up, it's, it's maturing, it's blossoming, and people are being saved all the time. Ruth and I got to participate in the very first ever water baptism that that village ever had. Because, you know, water's so scarce there, they don't want to waste it. So we sent, we, you know, we sent ahead of us, we sent this huge storage, um, now water storage bin full of water, ahead of us, and when we got there, we were going to have this baptism service, and uh, they wouldn't let us touch the water, even though it was our water. We bought it, we paid for it, we, and we had it delivered for the purpose of the baptism. They wouldn't let us get near that water because they didn't want to waste it. So we got some jerry jugs. Remember, Ruth? We, we gathered up a whole bunch of jerry jugs, strapped them to the Jeep, sent them to town, bought some more water, filled up our jerry jugs, 
And while they were gone, we dug a pit in the sand and we put plastic in it so the water wouldn't seep out. And then when they came with the jerry jugs, before anybody knew what was going on, we poured, the, we poured that water into, the, into that pit, made us, a, made us a baptism with just enough water for people to sit down in it and be baptized. And then after the service, we brought everybody out and we had a baptism service and we baptized 30-something people, something like that. And, and the crowd was pressing in on us and pressing in on us I'm standing, uh, I'm standing next to the pit, the baptism pit, and I'm helping people out. I'm helping people out of the water. Adam's in the water. He's doing the baptizing. And I'm helping people come out of the water. And, but the crowd wanted to see. I mean, they'd never seen anything like, well, first of all, they never saw such a waste of water. And number two, they never saw a water baptism. And, and I mean, you know, so they were just pushing in, pushing in until they almost pushed me into the water. And it was a spectacle, but it was important. It was important for these people to see uh, that, that people are willing to be ridiculously wet in a desert place for the, you know, it was, you know, it was a picture they'll never forget. I'll never forget it. And I've baptized people in all kinds of situations. Uh, I've baptized them in rivers, baptistries, running water, still water, shallow water, deep water, swimming pools, private swimming pools, public swimming pools, um, a gravel pit that had been abandoned and filled with water. That was kind of scary because it kind of sloped pretty good. And... Uh, uh, I baptized some folks. I, I baptized about 50 people one time in the middle of a river. And I, I think, John, you might have been there in the Loop River, Middle Loop River. And I didn't realize, you know, that the sand out in the middle of that river was kind of loose. And uh, while I'm baptizing, I notice I'm getting shorter and the people I'm baptizing are getting taller until I was, I was, in, I was buried in the, in the sand up to my knees and and uh, you know the river's running and and I'm going I'm just sinking down into it and so I had to have some of the guys I was baptizing pull me out of the pull me out of the river but I mean we had a baptism that day and then some idiot thought while I was stuck in the in the in the sand that he could uh, baptize me so it kind of got a little rowdy there for a little bit. But, but I mean, just we baptized one time in the, in the public swimming pool, Sergeant Nebraska, and uh, they didn't close the pool. So we're, ba we're baptizing people in one end of the pool, and all these bikini-clad girls, you know, are, are frolicking around in the pool while we're baptizing. And then everybody driving, I mean, there's the only thing going on in that little town. And so, so everybody driving by is just, what in the world is going on over there? And, uh, but we were determined to get those people baptized. And we need to have a baptism here. And we've, bet we've gotten a little stock tank, you know, a little cattle stock tank, and put it uh, in, the, in the church and filled it up with water and put a little water heater in it, tank heater, and then baptize people that way. Uh, I mean, we could do that here. And so, you know, but I, I did see a pretty nice pool last night. But, you know, but anyway.
Hint, hint. Praise God. What we need is people to baptize. Yes. Amen? And, uh, and maybe if we were quicker about that, they, they might last longer. They might, it might help them. So, uh, but anyway, I, want you, I just wanted you to see here that, that, that it's mandated. We don't, we don't have a choice in this. If we're, if we're really disciples of the Lord, we must multiply. Amen. We must multiply. Number two is every seed God plants has a destiny. Every seed he plants has, has a destiny. Uh, look in Jeremiah 29, 11. And I'm going, to, I'm going to read this, Ruth, from the Amplified, classic. Amplified. Jeremiah 29, 11. This is, you know this scripture. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans. Everybody say thoughts and plans. God has a plan for you. And guess what? He knows it. He, it's, it's on his mind. He hasn't forgotten it. God has a plan for you. And it's plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you hope in your final outcome. God has a, God has a good plan for you. Turn to somebody and say, God has a good plan for you. Amen. Not an evil plan. Anytime evil, anytime evil occurs in your life, it's not in the plan of God. And you need to reject any thought or notion that would, that would, that would uh, in any way accuse God of devising evil for you. We, we have an enemy, and it's not God. And we live in an evil world full of evil people. And their plans are not God's plans. God has good plans for you. And God's dedicated and committed himself to bringing it to pass in your life. Amen. We just need to cooperate with him. Amen? Yeah. Now look at Psalm 139. This is King James. Psalm 139, verse 15. This is David praying to God. And he's, he's having an epiphany here. He's having a revelation here. He said, my substance, he's talking to God, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. You see, a seed is so small in comparison to its final outcome that it can be disregarded, it can be trod upon, it can be missed. Like the, uh, the, the mustard seed for the mustard seed plant is so tiny you have to have a magnifying glass to see it. Amen. And yet the mustard tree is this huge tree. So, you know, the, uh, when you're in your seed form, and everybody starts out that way. Yeah. Everybody starts out that way. I mean, a seed is a, just a tiny little minuscule part of an embryo. An embryo is huge compared to the seed. Amen? Amen? And David says, you knew it. You knew me when I was hidden, when I was in secret, and curiously wrought in the lower, lowest parts of the earth. 
Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. I mean, there's a whole teaching in this. And boy, does it ever destroy this stuff about uh, how, that people use to justify abortions. Amen. It destroys it. Yeah. You see, when you, when you were in your mother's womb, God knew you and was forming all your minute parts. And he had a plan for your life. Look at this, verse 17. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. And when I am awake, I am still with thee. See, God was thinking about you when no one else even knew you existed. You know, when your mother and, and father came together, and that seed was produced and planted in your mother's womb. She didn't know that you were there. But God did. That seed had to grow and develop and mature a little bit before she even was aware that it was there. And then they were started showing signs, you know, morning sickness and such things as that nature. Amen? However, giving birth to children for Christians is such a spiritual thing that in your spirit you can know. I knew instantly when both of my kids were conceived. I knew. Hmm? And then I prophesied. I said, we're, gonna, we're pregnant. We're going to have a baby. She said, how do you know? She said, the wife is the first to know. I said, oh, no. I know by the Spirit that we're going to have a baby. So then she started looking for the signs, and sure enough, they, were, they showed up. And sure enough, the kids showed up. But I, I knew by the Spirit. See, God, God will reveal things to you through the Spirit that you can't know in the natural. Not everything is hidden. Nothing is hidden from God. And if God is in you, then nothing, nothing is really completely hidden from you if God wants to reveal it to you. And so God revealed it to us, and God, we had the names picked out and everything, you know, before our kids were born. Aaron, Lee, means tower of strength, and Lee is a physician. Aaron is tower of strength, tower of strength physician. Heather Fawn, wildflower, precious doe. You know, we gave her a little hippie name, you know, Heather Fawn. <laughs> gave Aaron a, a priestly name. Amen. And, uh, and boy, did we anticipate and look forward to them coming. But more so did God, because God's the one who had their destiny all planned out. Seed is built into it, a destiny that is divinely planned. Now, I have something for you this morning. And... Uh, it's a little illustration, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask uh, John here if you will if you'll give one of these to everybody. 
don't let them dig around in there. Just make them take one. Amen. Got a little seed packet here. I made the mistake of showing Ruth, and she had to dig around and get her favorite seed. But uh, that's not the point, is it? All right, I've got here uh, packets of seed for everybody. And by the way, these, these are, um, oh, what do you call them? Non-genetically engineered seeds. And uh, so these, and these, are, these are made in America seeds. They didn't come from China. I mean, it wasn't easy for me to find, it wasn't easy for me to find these seeds. And uh, uh, they're called uh, uh, heirloom variety. And I'm holding in my hand, I'm holding my hand a, a radish, a package of radish seeds. Amen. What do you have, Sandy? Sweet corn. Sweet corn. All right. What do you got, Harold? Broccoli. Okay. What you got? Pepper. Wax green beans. Pumpkin. Oh, you got seasonal. Yes. Spinach. Hey, John, what do you got over there? Huh? Cucumber. Lettuce. Beets and squash. Ruth. She raided my seed packet. Okay, now I want you to I want you to look at this. First of all, it's got a picture on it, right there. That that is the prophecy. See that seed doesn't look like this. So the 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 picture is is a prophetic statement, a declaration of the the destiny of this seed. Right? Of course, I envisualize uh, even a further destiny. I envisualize this in, in my salad. Amen. Right? And then eventually in my tummy. Right? I, I, why would I buy seeds that, you, you know, that were not food? I mean, I found flower seeds. I found all kinds. But I, I wanted food seeds. Amen. Because I have, a, I have a purpose in mind for growing this thing. I want to eat it. Right? And, uh, and I like radishes, by the way, so I, that's, a, that's a good one I grabbed out of there. But uh, it carries with it a self-fulfilling prophecy. I, and what that p picture tells me, if I plant this seed properly and take proper care of it, that it will produce for me something resembling this picture. Now, the minor... Well, there's a bowl of sliced radishes there. Uh, I'll have to slice them myself. But they'll come out like the picture there. All right? But if you'll also look on the back, it says easy to grow and fast-growing vegetables makes it ideal for children to grow. Well, that's good to know because even a child can grow a seed. And it, it says... Uh, it describes the fruit. It says it's crisp, white flesh, grows large but not pithy, holds well and can stand cold. Excellent as a salad vegetable. In case you don't know its plans and purposes. See, this is this is what this is the prophecy. But we're also given instructions as to its purposes. It needs to be in my salad or eaten plain or as a garnish. 
and then it tells me how to grow it. Sow in the spring and or fall. Wow, Ruth, we could get us some potting soil and I could plant this now. Bread for upland and sandy soils. Well, that's good to know. As with all root crops, thinning is most important. Harvest when the roots are one half inch in diameter. Overgrown roots become pithy and stringy. So it tells me when to cut it, when to harvest them. And it's a great source of vitamin C. And then this little, these, this little, these little squares right here tells me how deep to plant it, how, how far apart I need to space the seeds. Uh, it tells me the spacing between the rows and days to germination. It says it, it, it'll germinate within, between 7 and 14 days. Of course, I know I have to add, I have to water it, and I know I also have to provide it some sunshine, some warmth. And then after uh, so many days, it says to, to thin it out uh, uh, two inches apart, and then it's uh, days to maturity, 22 to 24 days. So if I plant this today, by Thanksgiving, I can have radishes. Let's try it out, Ruth. See if, see if it's a true word of prophecy. Amen. Radishes by Thanksgiving? That's not bad. Pretty good, don't you think? And, and of course, yours is going to be different, isn't it? Why? Because yours has a different prophecy. Amen? Well, every seed is like that. And I could go into it, with, but it'd take a lot of time. So we know that every seed God plants has a destiny written all over it. Amen. You might want to carry this in your pocket to remind you that you are a seed with a destiny. Amen. Amen. You are a seed. And there are instructions in the Word of God on how you're to be properly cultivated. Amen. So, number three, every seed requires moisture to germinate. And this is, this is where I've been heading. In Psalm 1-3, it says, He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Now, he could have just said, uh, He'll be like a tree planted by water. Or he could be like a tree planted by a river. But he said rivers. You know what that tells me? That the righteous man is like a tree that will never, ever, ever lack for water. Amen. An unending, abundant supply of moisture. Why? Because God wants us to grow, 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 grow. Amen? And then uh, John 4.14, Jesus said, in John 4.14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall... Never thirst. Who's he saying this to? No, he's saying it to the woman at the well. <laughs> the Samaritan woman. He said, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You know what Jesus is telling us here? He said, he has planted within us the water source. 
the water is in us. And we, we, we ne we'll never have to look outside of ourselves for the water we need to grow. It grows up, it springs up into everlasting life. That's a, that, that is a good well. A good well. But it didn't, he didn't stop there. John 7, John 7, 37, he said, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers, there's that plural term, rivers of living water. Now look at verse 39. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus was speaking to them concerning the Holy Spirit. And he was saying, when the Holy Spirit has come to you, he'll be in you, springing up on the inside of you like multiple rivers of water. So the seed is there and the water is there. Amen? But we also found out, you know, Wednesday night, that the seed needs some, needs some warmth to grow, right? So let's see where, where the warmth is going to come from. Luke 3.16. Luke 3.16, John answered, John the Baptist, he answered them and he said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Everybody say fire. 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 Not only will he baptize us with Holy Ghost, which is ample water supply, but he also, with the Holy Ghost, provides the warmth, the fire. Water and fire coming from the same source. The Holy Spirit. Well, is that how it worked out? Well, look in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Y'all know this. Y'all know these scriptures. Acts 2, 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Fire came when the Holy Ghost came. So we have, we have the seed, that's you. We have, we have the word, that, that's, how you, that's how you came into being. And then, then the word is the food. Then you have the Spirit of God, which provides the water, and you have the Holy Ghost fire. You have the heat. You have everything you need to fulfill your mandate, to fulfill your destiny, which is to grow and multiply and be fruitful. So let's, let's go over these, these four elements. Number one, you have a fruitful mandate. 
Number two, you have a destiny. Number three, you have living water. And number four, you have Holy Ghost fire. So the end result is fruitfulness. Amen. <laughs> number one, you have a fruitful mandate. Be fruitful and multiply. You're mandated. Number two, you have a destiny. That's the picture on the front of the package. That, that's what you are becoming. We're becoming like Jesus in every way. Number three, you have the living water flowing out of your innermost being because the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. And then number four, you have received that baptism of fire. You have the warmth. You have the mandate, you have the destiny, you have the water, and you have the heat. You got everything you need. Church, we've got everything we need to multiply and be fruitful. Amen?